Let's pray. Lord, as we look to your word once again, your word as you were departing this earth to return to your Father, the instructions that you gave to your disciples, we pray that as your disciples we can receive all that you said to them as to us. Lord, as we know, Lord, we have the same commission, the same uh, calling to serve you. So we ask that you would bless your word to us and help us to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, looking at John 14, we began discussing Jesus' farewell discourse with his disciples, where he introduced them to the concept of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, Jesus had told his disciples that he was in the Father and the Father was in him. And we saw last week that it was by way of the Holy Spirit. That was how the Father was in Jesus and how Jesus knew what the Father wanted him to do and did it. That reality gave Jesus the authority to speak and to work in the name of the Father and on the Father's behalf. And Jesus, preparing to leave his disciples, had said, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, i.e. my authority, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What we can understand from that statement is that Jesus' disciples would need to receive their authority on earth in the same way that Jesus had received his. Jesus had received his authority on earth from his Father who was in him directing him, and his Father had commissioned him in the first place and sent him on his mission. So Jesus' disciples must therefore get their authority from Jesus being in them and directing them after he commissioned them and sent them as he was leaving. But Jesus, of course, had a physical human body and a material relationship with his disciples that could not continue in the same way after he left them. So how could their relationship go on? Well, it would have to be in spirit, in the same way that his father was in him while he walked the earth. The same type of relationship. For that to happen, Jesus would have to be born into his disciples somehow spiritually. Now, I don't know if I was clear last week when I went over what Jesus said in John 14, 16 to 17, so I want to try it again. Jesus had said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. What I tried to say last week was that Jesus 
who had the spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit in him was that one who had been dwelling with his disciples. And the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus while Jesus had been dwelling with his disciples would soon be directly in Jesus's disciples. This is how Jesus too would be in them after he would leave them. Now the disciples had already known the Holy Spirit in the same way that they had already known God the Father, even without knowing it. And that was by knowing Jesus. As Jesus answered Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have the same personality and the same attributes. Sometimes they have different functions, but always in agreement in the same purpose. So the Holy Spirit, when he would come, would not be strange to the disciples because they had known Jesus. When the Holy Spirit would come, the disciples would see or experience Jesus by experiencing the same love of Jesus manifested to them through the Holy Spirit as the Holy Trinity made their home in them. Now, all of this is totally beyond our conception without having God-given faith because we are speaking about the transcendent being coming inside of our material finite beings and thus making us everlasting beings. And that's mind-blowing, but it's true. And God's word said, says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. The only way we can conceive this is by thinking of the tabernacle or the temple of the Old Testament. By God's choice and inspiration, it was constructed out of common natural objects, put together by common people with God's instructions and giftings. And though it was commonly built, it was built for the worship of God and for petitioning him. And it was created for such. And because of that, God came into it and dwelt in it and manifested his presence from it, even though it could not contain all of God or represent God fully. God's choice and God's presence is what sanctified the temple. He sanctified what had been common and unholy before he inspired it and entered it. And the same goes for us. How could the Holy Trinity come and dwell in us as common and as unholy as we are? Well, it's in the same way. As Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Chose and appointed them for what? 
He said, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So Jesus chose and appointed his disciples, including us, to produce enduring spiritual food which could be traced back and attributed to God. And Jesus used the imagery of vines in a vineyard in John 15 to help us understand how this would work. And he concentrated more on us, his disciples, being in him than on him being in us. And it's interesting that if you look at the little, literal translation of the original word, the original Greek word, is, translated in, in the passage where Jesus says, he who believes in me, well, it could be translated, he who believes into me. That is how we are born again into Jesus. We believe into him. That is how the Father grafts us into his vine, Jesus, by giving us faith to believe all that Jesus said about himself and about us, and we confess that faith. And we're grafted in. And Jesus said, I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. In verse 4, he said, Abide in me, and I in you. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. So we need not be concerned about anything else concerning fruit bearing except abiding in Jesus. He does the rest for us. He does everything for us, in fact. He even says, for without me, you can do nothing. So what is it to abide in Jesus? We don't use that, that word abide often today, but abide means to live with, to dwell with, to continue in, to remain in. It is to stay connected to Jesus. If we are his disciples, we are already connected, already in him. 1 John 5, 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. We have already been grafted into him by his father, the vine dresser, by faith in Jesus. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. That's wonderful. God calls us children. He's, he's taken us in. And what we read this morning from the first epistle of, of, of John chapter 4 was wonderful too. Let's go over some of that. The Apostle John wrote, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 9, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son 
to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Well, that's wonderful news. And it's assuring that God has adopted us and that God is in us and we in him. He has given us his spirit and we did nothing. All we did really was repent, believe and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. But then how do we stay connected? How do we abide? That's the question. And and we shall see in, in verse 10 that it has to do with obeying Jesus, obeying his words, his commands. And we know from 1 John 5, 3 that his commandments are not burdensome. But again, our environment sometimes makes them seem so because Jesus' commandments go against the spirit of this world. Nevertheless, we can keep his commandments by faith because we are born of God. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith that was given to us by God. When we look at Jesus' commandments the, the wrong way, simply looking at them as, as our duty, they may become burdensome. So we, we must look at them as Jesus intended for us to look at them, as a privilege, a privilege that benefits, benefits us and the world around us. Obeying Jesus' commands brings fruit. It brings gifts and brings blessings forth from us. The, the fruit that remains, which Jesus was talking about, is brought forth through us when we obey Jesus' word that is in us. His spirit is in us and he gives us the ability to produce the fruit. And Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So we stay connected, first of all, by keeping Jesus's word abiding in us. And, and that is keeping the faith. First John 2, 24 says, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. We don't have Jesus physically present with us like his disciples had, but we have his word, which we must read and study, and we have his spirit to apply his word to us. Get to know Jesus 
through his words. When we ingest his words, then we will recognize when he is speaking to us by the Holy Spirit who is in us. So abiding is quite simple in itself. But there is more, as we saw, to abiding in Jesus than hiding his words in our hearts. We must obey those words too. We must obey what we understand from God's word. 1 John 2, 3 says, By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So assurance comes by obedience as well. 1 John 2, 5 says, Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. So it's vitally important. We grow, we, we are cleaned, we are perfected in, in God when we keep his word, keep his commandments. By this we know that we are in him. Only when, when we obey him can we ask what we desire because our desires will be his desires when his word and his spirit are in us. And then when we truly know him, we will love what he loves and desire uh, what he desires. We will desire to please him and we will ask him what he desires. That will be what we desire. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petition that we have asked of him. So it has to be according to his will, of course. The example that John gives of this, of a petition that God would, would answer, and he gives that right after um, that passage in John 5, 14 to 15, is interceding for a, a beloved brother or sister in Christ that has fallen into sin. It is our responsibility and our privilege to extend love to that person by interceding to God on their behalf. Jesus goes on, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Interceding for others is part of the fruit that we bear, because God answers those prayers. What else is the fruit that Jesus is referring to that we who abide will produce much of? Well, doing good, simply doing good is another. John 2, 6 says, he who says he abides in him ought himself to walk just as he walked. That's to walk just as Jesus walked. That is doing the kind of things that Jesus did as he walked on this earth. That is living a righteous life. Well, let's read on from verse 9. Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. 
Well, how can you abide in someone's love? You simply have to stay in relationship with the one who loves you. Again, it's quite simple. But staying in a healthy relationship comes with obligations. And Jesus says one of those obligations is keeping his commandments. Jesus goes on in John 15, verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So we abide in him by keeping his word in us and keeping his commandments. And what are Jesus' commandments? Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 1 John 5, 1 gives an example. It says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. That means Jesus, but it also means our fellow believer. There is a problem if we do not love our fellow believer because it is a commandment of Jesus. It is not that we have to like them, like their personality, but we have to love them. In other words, we have to be ready and willing to extend ourselves for them simply because of our mutual connection with Jesus and his Father and the Holy Spirit and our love for them. In 1 John 3, 16 to 18, we are given this example of the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. It says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. But whoever has the world's good, goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Well, the reason that I included uh, so much of 1 John in the epistle readings of uh, this week and last week is that 1 John is almost a commentary on Jesus' farewell discourse, and it sheds much light on it. 1 John deals with the assurance of these promises that we're, we've been given by Jesus, that we are born of God, that Jesus is in us and we are in him. And, and the purpose of 1 John is, is set out in 1 John 5.13, where John writes, These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, if you're keen 
you might have noticed that I skipped over some of the verses in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, earlier. Some very important verses, some very tough verses, like verse 2. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. There's a difference between the branches or people who don't abide and those who do. Those who don't abide die. Simple as that. And they are cut off and burned up. If you want to live, you'd better abide. Those who do abide, on the other hand, bear fruit. And they are pruned or cleaned by God and his word to bear better and more fruit. 1 John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us. So if we walk in the light or in the truth and righteousness, in truth and righteousness, we stay in fellowship with God and his other disciples, and as we continue in this fellowship, our cleansing by Jesus' blood is a continual thing. He continually cleanses us from our sins, not just our past sins, but the present ones too. Sins that are brought into the light of Jesus, or in other words, sins that are confessed and repented of. And how do we stay in the light? Well, that's how. And John, 1 John 2, 10 tells us, he who loves his brother, that is his fellow disciple, abides in the light. That's how you stay in the light, loving God and loving our brother. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What are Jesus' commandments? There they are. Do that and you will abide in him and bear fruit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, we, we come, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is still alive, still working, and is still in us. And, and Lord, each day as we go to your word, we just ask you by your spirit that is also in us, that you have given us to, to Lord, show us the things, bring things 
uh, to light that, that we don't see without your word, without your light, by your spirit. Bring them to light so that we can be in the light, that we can confess our sins, be cleansed, Lord, by your blood over and over again. And Lord, we thank you that that is possible and not only possible, that you are waiting for that each day as we come before you, that we might be cleansed by you that we, so that we can, Lord, begin our day over and over again, uh, ready to do your, your, your will and your work, Lord. And we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you give us that ability. Lord, help us to present ourselves to you each day as living sacrifices, Lord, just ready and willing as you supply us to do, Lord, your will, your righteousness, and to spread your gospel message and your love to the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.